So welcome back to another episode of Thinking Critically. I'm your host as always, Jonathan Maloney. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about what exactly a good argument is. So now that you're familiar with what the structure of an argument is, it's really important that you understand how to structure a good argument. So there are primarily two different types of arguments. On one hand, you have deductive arguments, and on the other hand, you have inductive arguments. So we're gonna go into a little bit more details of exactly what those entail. Along with deductive arguments and inductive arguments for deductive, you're going to have uh, terminology that you need to be familiar with, such as uh, the, the validity and soundness for deductive. And then for inductive, we're gonna talk a little bit more about what's known as uh, strength and cogency. And then we'll encapsulate or finish everything up with the difference between a good and a bad argument. So let's get started. Okay, so first up, let's define exactly what a deductive argument is and what exactly a inductive argument is. So with the deductive argument, it is thought that the strength of the premises are sufficient to guarantee the truth of the conclusion. So again, with the structure of an argument uh, that we addressed last episode, uh, you have the premises and then the conclusion. So with a deductive, the premises, the strength, the way this, the, the way the argument is structured, that the strength of the premises are sufficient to guarantee the truth of the conclusion. Now, on the other hand, we have the inductive argument. So the inductive argument, isn't as strong as a deductive argument. However, it still can be very strong. And what do I mean by that is that the, the, the way that it is structured is that the truth of the, um, the truth of the premises or the strength of the premises are thought to be enough to sufficiently guarantee the truth of the conclusion. It's not an absolute guarantee uh, as it is with a deductive argument, but it is still something that's considered to be very close. So those are the two primary types of arguments. You have the deductive and then you have the inductive. Now I'm going to go over a few examples for a deductive argument. So example number one, Stephanie is either wearing a blue or yellow shirt. She is not wearing a blue shirt today. Therefore, Stephanie must be wearing a yellow shirt. So in this particular example, the premises are going to be Stephanie is either wearing a blue or yellow shirt. Stephanie is not wearing a blue shirt today. So those are the premises. And then the conclusion is going to be that therefore Stephanie must be wearing a yellow shirt. So as you can see from this particular example, the way that it's put together, the if the premises are true, then the conclusion is guaranteed to be true because there's only two options for Stephanie's shirts. She only wears yellow or blue. So if she's not wearing a blue shirt, she's got to be wearing a yellow shirt. There's no other options, the way that it's, that, the way that it's framed. I mean, in reality, this is obviously an ideal, idealized situation because in, in reality, people have wardrobes, right? They have shirts of all different colors. But in this particular example, if you can see how I structured this particular argument, it's impossible for the conclusion that Stephanie must be wearing a yellow shirt to be false uh, based off of the premises because she's either wearing yellow or blue. She's not wearing blue, therefore it has to be yellow. So let's do another example. So before we go into an example of an inductive argument, I just want to point out that deductive arguments tend to be rather mathematical in nature. So for example, what do I mean by that? So let's look at this particular mathematical example. A is equal to B, B is equal to C, therefore A, A 
is equal to C. Uh, so the premises in this mathematical example is that A is equal to B, then the second premise is that A is or that B is equal to C, and then the conclusion is that A is equal to C. So AB, BC, AC. Uh, very mathematical in nature. That's something that you've probably seen from high school algebra. Uh, that being said, deductive arguments tend to follow the same very definitive logic as mathematics. Because in mathematics, the mathematical logic, uh, if you are following all of the rules correctly, then the conclusion, which is essentially the other side of the equality sign, is guaranteed to be true. So it's the same thing with the deductive arguments that if you have true premises, then your, your conclusion is guaranteed to be true. Okay, so let's move on to an example of an inductive argument. Okay, here we go. Example for an inductive argument. It has snowed in Chicago for all of recorded history. Therefore, it's going to snow in Chicago this upcoming winter. So in this particular example, we have one premise, and the premise being that it has snowed in Chicago every winter, for all of recorded history, and that the conclusion is that therefore it must uh, be snowing this upcoming winter as well. Now you might say, well, that sounds like a deductive argument on the surface. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, actually it kind of does. However, is it actually guaranteed that it's going to snow in Chicago this upcoming winter? Can you guarantee that? And I would argue no. And the reason being is because if you think about the climate changing, there may actually be a point at, uh, in the future where it doesn't snow in Chicago. Now, we may not see that for 20, 30 years into the future, but weather, uh, weather like that or overall climate uh, isn't guaranteed. So in this particular example, I would say that the strength of the premise or the probability that it's true uh, is very good very high. Uh, so therefore, the conclusion has a very good chance of being true, but it's not absolutely guaranteed as in the example of a deductive argument. So next up, we're going to go into validity and soundness for deductive arguments. So for validity for deductive arguments, basically what this means is that the premises and the conclusions are related in such a way that if the premises are true, it's absolutely impossible the way that the argument is structured for the conclusion to also be false. So therefore, with a valid argument, if the premises are true, then the conclusion must be true. So succinctly, an argument is valid if and only if the truth of the premises logically guarantees the truth of the prem uh, truth of the conclusion. So let's go ahead and do an example real quick to illustrate this. Okay, so here we go. Tom either walks or drives to work. Tom has chosen not to drive today, therefore he must be walking to work. So if you look at this particular example, you have the premises that Tom either drives or walks to work. He has chosen or elected not to drive today. Therefore, the conclusion uh, is he uh, must be walking to work today. So if you look at the way that the premises are related to the conclusion, uh, it's structured in such a way that it's impossible for the conclusion to be false while the premises are true. So if the premises are true, that is, again, that Tom either walks or drives and that Tom is not 
driving today, the conclusion is guaranteed to be true. So that is what validity means for deductive arguments. Now it's important to know with valid arguments that just because the overall structure of this deductive argument is valid doesn't necessarily mean that the premises are true. It just means that the way you structure the argument is related, the premises are related to the conclusion in such a way that if the premises are true, not guaranteed to be true, but if they are true, uh, then the conclusion must also be true. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean that the premises are in fact tr uh, true. Uh, it just means that it has the possibility that the way the structure is, that if the premises are true, the conclusion is guaranteed to be true. So to illustrate this, I want to provide another example for you. All gardens have gnomes. Gnomes create mischief wherever they go. Therefore, gardens are places of mischief. So let's go ahead and break this argument down a little bit. So the premises are that all gardens have gnomes. That's premise one. Premise two is that gnomes create mischief. And then the conclusion is that therefore gardens are places of mischief. Uh, so you've pro you're probably already laughing because this is a bit of a ridiculous argument, right? So let's analyze the premises again. Uh, this is clearly a valid argument, right? Because if the premise that all gardens have gnomes along with gnomes create mischief, if those are true, then the conclusion that gardens are places of mischief is, is pretty much guaranteed to be true because it's going to have gnomes who are creating mischief all gardens, the way that the argument is structured. However, it's clearly ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? Because the premises are not true. But if they were true, you can see how that this is a valid argument if they were true. But again, they're not because we know that people are not stocking their gardens full of gnomes and that gnomes are inanimate objects unless you're watching movies like Goosebumps or something like that, right? They don't just come come alive at night and create mischief. Uh, but you, you, you get the point that this is clearly a valid argument, but there's something wrong. It's not necessarily true uh, because the premises are false, so. Okay, so let's move on. So now that you understand validity and how it doesn't always lead to an argument that makes any sense, let's talk about the property of soundness. Soundness, uh, again, is a property of deductive arguments, and it's when you have not only a valid argument, but that argument must have true premises. Because if you do not have these two things together, then you can't have an argument that makes sense. Because I already illustrated to you that validity isn't enough to create an argument that makes sense, because clearly uh, I just provided that gnome argument, which was nonsensical, but was still logically valid. So with soundness, again, you have validity. You, not only do you have validity, but then you have the truth of the premises as well. So let's do a quick example to illustrate this. When it rains, the roads are wet. It is currently raining, therefore the roads are wet. So quickly looking at, let's break apart this very simplistic argument. The premise one is that when it rains, the roads are wet. The second premise is going to be that it is currently raining. And then the conclusion is that the roads must be wet. And this is clearly a deductive argument, right? Because the premises are strong enough to guarantee the strength of the conclusion. Now, they also happen to be true. So it's valid, right? 
um, it's valid and true. So the validity plus the truth of the, of the premises, you put those together and they create a sound argument. So an argument that actually makes sense. So now that you understand what validity and soundness is for deductive arguments, let's move on and talk about strength and cogency for inductive arguments. Okay, so for inductive arguments, we have this property called strength. Strength. Okay, so strength is a property of inductive arguments and it loosely correlates with validity for deductive arguments, but it is essentially a measure of like a probability of how probable is it that the conclusion follows from the premises. So we talked before about uh, with inductive arguments that just because the premises may be true, it doesn't necessarily mean, guarantee the truth of the conclusion, just the way that the argument is structured. Uh, unlike a deductive argument where you have a guarantee, you do not have that with an inductive argument. So we use this property called strength, where it tells us at, like what, what probability do we have if the premises are true that the conclusion has a strong possibility of being true. So in general, what we what we do is we kind of draw the line at 50%. It seems like a kind of an arbitrary number. And how do you put, how do you actually go about doing that in everyday life? And it can be a little bit challenging, uh, but I mean, there's plenty of statistical methods and things of that nature. However, uh, for instructive purposes, we'll say it's at 50%. So 50, 50% above, uh, end up uh, that's going to be a strong argument and that below that we would classify it as weak. So let's go ahead and do a couple examples because I it's really important that we illustrate these concepts. Most people from African nations are going to have dark skin. So if we were being more scientific about this, it would just come down to melanin concentration, uh, since that's the actual compound in our skin that protects us from ultraviolet, harmful ultraviolet rays. Uh, but anyway, I digress. So most people from African nations have dark skin. Julian is from Uganda. Therefore, Julian has dark skin. So in this particular example, the premises is, are going to be that one, we have most people from African nations have darker skin. And premise two, Julian is from Uganda. And then premise three, uh, excuse me, uh, conclusion is that therefore Julian has dark skin. Now, there's kind of an implicit premise in here saying that Uganda is an African nation, uh, but most people should know that. That being said, just because it's, it's, this isn't a deductive argument, you can clearly see that because just because the, the premises may be true, so that uh, most people from African nations have darker skin and that Julian is from Uganda. So let's assume that those premises are true, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that Julian has dark skin. There's no guarantee. There's no, there's no like definitive yes, because just because Julian is from Uganda means that he has dark skin. Um, I mean, I would say that there's a high probability in this instance. So in my opinion, um, I would put this as a strong, um, a, a stronger argument. However, it's again, and 
going to be an inductive argument because the conclusion isn't necessarily guaranteed from the truth of the premises. So, okay, so now that you understand what strength is for inductive arguments, let's move on to cogency. So similar to deductive arguments, we have soundness. In inductive arguments, we have something known as cogency. So cogency is again, when you have uh, true premises, so similar to soundness for deductive arguments. Uh, so you're going to have a strong argument that's paired with true premises. And then at that point, you can say that your inductive argument is cogent. So let's go, go ahead and do an example to illustrate this. Bobby is usually late to work. Bobby is scheduled to work tomorrow. Therefore, Bobby will be late. So in this particular example, the premises are going to be that Bobby is scheduled to work tomorrow and that he is usually late. And then the conclusion is that Therefore, Bobby is going to be late to work tomorrow. So as we can see that it's not a deductive argument, it's clearly inductive, right? Because the conclusion that Bobby is going to be late to work tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Just because he's usually late doesn't necessarily imply that he's absolutely going to be late tomorrow. However, it's definitely a cogent argument. So the premise is that, again, that Bobby's usually late and that he's scheduled to work tomorrow, we're gonna to assume that those are true, right? That we have credible information on Bobby, Bobby and his tardiness and that he is late to work 80% of the time. We talked to HR about it, okay? So therefore, we're going to say that this is a cogent argument because you have the premises that are strong, or excuse me, that are true, and that the conclusion has a very high probability of being guaranteed or being true from the true conclusions. Therefore, it's a, it's a strong inductive argument. Then we have true premises. Therefore, the argument is cogent. Okay, so you've made it. You understand deductive argument. You understand what the structure of an inductive argument is. On the deductive side, you know exactly what the validity and soundness of an argument mean. As well, on the inductive side, you understand strength and cogency. So now, what is a good argument? Conversely, what is a bad argument? Well, if I were to say it for you succinctly, it's going to be that you, you really have two criteria. So one, for a good, this is for a good argument. So one, the premises must be true, or you must have very good reason to believe that they are true. But in general, you, it's important that the, to the best of your ability, best of your knowledge, that the premises are true. And then number two, that the structure of the argument is either valid or strong. So validity, again, for a deductive argument, uh, strong or for a inductive argument. So you put these things together then, these two criterion, and essentially what you're going to have is a um, either a cogent argument for induction, or you're going to have a sound argument for deduction. So that's it basically for a good argument. Okay, so that's all that we've got for today, folks. Uh, thanks again so much for tuning in. And next time, we're gonna be talking about logical fallacies, and how these render arguments bad, and exactly when it's acceptable to reject an argument. So we're gonna go into all of the details surrounding that. So please keep in mind that with today's episode, along with uh, the last two episodes, you can find all of this information on the website, uh, 
intelligencespeculation.com. So these uh, last few episodes have been based on articles that I personally wrote, and there's a lot of details that are kind of left out. So if you want a little bit more um, from a detail, like detail standpoint, or you want some more examples, let's say, uh, please make sure to go to my website and check them out. I'll go ahead and drop that in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe, folks, and remember that together we can help the world to think better. Thinking Critically was brought to you by Grips Visual Marketing. They helped me to bring this podcast to life um, when it was just an idea. So that being said, if you're wanting to do a podcast and a need, don't exactly know where to get started, or perhaps you need some video services, make sure to check them out. You can find their information in the show notes. 